Well, hello, family. Jesus is immaculate and altogether lovely. Amen. Uh, we've been in a study uh, of Genesis, the book of Genesis, and as you know, if you've been with us, it started out with curse, you know, dysfunction. And uh, now we're making this turn in the book, turn towards the concept of blessing. We've been there for a few weeks. We're going to be in that idea of blessing for a few more weeks. And, you know, I've realized that sometimes the best way to learn something is to do it. Do you know what I mean? And so what I want to do before we start this message is I, I, I want to begin the message by blessing. Can I bless you? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to practice it, all right? Because we need to get good at this. Uh, would you stand to your feet for the blessing? If you are lonely, may you feel God's nearness. If you are confused, may you see with God's light. If you are weary from sinning, may you rest in God's forgiveness. If you're proud and hard, may God humble you deeply. If you are low and weak, May God lift up your head. The Lord bless you excessively with his many varieties of grace today. Amen. You may be seated. As you're getting to your seat again, open your Bibles to Genesis 48. Genesis 48. We're going to read about God's blessing his people according to the, his wisdom, the wisdom of his grace. Please give your attention to the reading of God's word. After this, Joseph was told, Behold, your father is ill. So he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And it was told to Jacob, Your son Joseph has come to you. Then Israel summoned his strength and sat up in bed. And Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you. And I'll make of you a company of peoples and will give this land to your offspring after you for an everlasting possession. And now your two sons, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine as Reuben and Simeon are. And the children that you fathered after them shall be yours. They shall be called by the name of their brothers and their inheritance. As for me, when I came from Padan to my sorrow, Rachel died in the land of Canaan on the way when there was still some distance to go to Ephrath, and I buried her there on the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, Who are these? Joseph said to his father, They are my sons, whom God has given me here. And he said, Bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age, so that he could not see. So Joseph brought them near him, and kissed them, and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face, and behold, God has let me see your offspring also. Then Joseph removed them from his knees and bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand towards Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand towards Israel's right hand, and brought them near him. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on of Manasseh, crossing his hands, for Manasseh was firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, 
the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys, and in, in them let my name be carried on, and in the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. When Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him, and he took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, Not this way, my father, since this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you Israel will pronounce blessings, saying, God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I am about to die, but God will be with you and will bring you again to the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to you, rather than to your brothers, one mountain slope that I took from the hand of the Amorites with my sword and with my bow. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God who blesses richly and not miserly, we thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking good things to us, true things to us, beautiful things to us. Uh, Lord, I want to ask that you would open up our hearts to hear every word that you have to say to us that we might be changed, and that we might glorify you in the earth. And we thank you for your abundant grace. In the sacred name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, when I was younger, my dad uh, bought me this very nice, high-quality socket wrench set for Christmas. <laughs> He bought it for me for Christmas. For the record, for those of you that don't know me, I'm not really a mechanically-minded kind of guy, okay? Uh, I'm not really into fixing things. I'm not a tool guy, especially back then. This was years and years ago. Uh, and this was like the big gift, you know what I'm saying? Like, that, we had some stocking stuffer things and some candies, and, and it, it, Dad was like, okay, this is, this is your gift for Christmas. I was, I was really anticipating this. There was some buildup. I couldn't wait. He handed the box to me. The box was really heavy, and I thought, boy, this must be something pretty valuable in here, you know? And the anticipation built up. I'm starting to rip the, <laughs> I'm ripping the wrapping paper off the box, and I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, you know, because I'm in my 20s, I'm like, what could be in this thing? This is great, you know? I mean, is this like a, a new stereo? Because, you know, I mean, I really wanted a new stereo. Maybe there's new speakers for my car. I thought maybe there's a video game system and we can all just sit down on Christmas and just play video games together. I mean, that would be a whole lot of fun. And, and I open it up and nope, nope, it wasn't any of that. It was this big, cold steel socket wrench set. And I'm thinking like, where do you plug this thing in? Like, you know, where's the controllers, you know? I, I, I was really disappointed. Disappointment just washed over me as I Stood there looking like, that's it. That's what you get for Christmas. And, and uh, I'm thinking, well, what am I supposed to do with a 300-piece set socket wrench set that bolts to the side of your garage, you know? Uh, and my dad starts explaining to me how great this particular socket wrench set is. 
I just researched it, and, and it's like, is he trying to convince me of how great this gift is? Because that'll change my mind if it's just a misunderstanding. So my dad finally stops his proselytizing, and he asked me, what now, what do you think of these wrenches? Now what do you think that I've explained it to you, and obviously you can see how great it is. And all this emotion was kind of building up, and so I just blurted the first thing that I was feeling, which I shouldn't have done, but I blurted out the first thing I was feeling, and I just said, Dad, this is a tool. This isn't a gift. And he just, like, looked at me weird. And I looked at him like, it's weird. You think that's weird. You know, we had one of those moments. Like, don't you know me? (laughs) A socket wrench set was so far from my idea of a really good Christmas gift. It just did not make sense to me why he would give it to me, especially me. Why would he give that to me as a Christmas gift? Um, And by the way, that's become a family joke now that we say we prep people before we give them gifts. We say, okay, now this is a tool. It's not a gift. So you have your expectations set right. And that's because of me. That's a joke on me. But here's the thing I want you to to realize or, or remember here. I realize that later on, much, much years and years later on, that my dad was wiser than I knew at the time. Have you ever experienced that phenomenon that the older you get, that somehow the wiser your dad magically becomes? (laughs) I have. Turns out that really was a great Christmas present. That was a great gift to give a young man that had just married. Um, My dad knew that I would not want to spend my little paycheck on tools to fix my car that was breaking down a lot. My dad knew that we uh, would be living in campus housing in Chicago. We wouldn't have uh, neighbors nearby that had garages full of tools to let us borrow. We were kind of on our own. He knew the gift that I needed better than I knew. In fact, I still use that socket wrench set to this day to fix things. And I smile every time I fix something. Uh, It's surprisingly become a very special blessing to me. And I don't even know if tools can become sentimental in value, but if they do, I guess it's sentimental to me. You know what, guys? We're that way with God's blessings, if we're honest. We all really like the idea of God giving gifts, amen? Like, we're like pro-gifts from God, right? Um, And we want God to give us gifts according to our wisdom. We want God to give us gifts according to how we see the situation in front of us, according to what we think would make a good and perfect gift for us right now. But you know what? God does not give gifts to us like that. And you know why? Because our Heavenly Father knows far more than we do about our situation. He always knows more than we do. What we find in the passage that we've read today is that God gives gifts according to the wisdom of His grace. God gives gifts according to the wisdom of His grace. And so we're going to unpack that. We're going to look at what God blesses us with, and then we're going to turn and look at how God distributes his blessings, okay? And so first, let's start with this. God blesses us with family status by grace. 
God blesses you and me with family status by grace. Let's look at the text here, verses 4 through 6. And this is Jacob speaking. He says, And the Lord said to me, Behold, I will make you, I will make you fruitful and multiply you, and I will make of you a company of peoples, and I will give this land to your offspring after you for an everlasting possession. And now your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine as Reuben and Simeon are. And the children that you fathered after them shall be yours. They shall be called by the name of their brothers in their inheritance. And so the situation is that Jacob is getting old. He's getting ready to die. And before he puts God's blessings upon his 12 sons, who will, of course, eventually become the 12 tribes of Israel, he calls Joseph into his his room, into his tent, and he blesses his grandsons, Ephraim and Manasseh separately. And so 48, in chapter 49, they're a literary unit. We're going to look at this tomorrow. They go together, but he's doing something distinctly unique in this particular setting. When Jacob says that Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine as Reuben and Simeon are, Jacob is adopting Joseph's sons as his very own sons. That's what he's doing. He is saying that as God is his witness, those two boys born to Joseph are legally his sons now, from now on. This means that Ephraim and Manasseh share equal status, the equal status of Reuben and Simeon, the first and second born, right, of Jacob. He's saying they share that same status in the family. It's a pretty big deal, guys. And, and when you look at the next chapter in 49, especially if you look at 1 Chronicles 5, verse 1, we see that Reuben and Simeon, they forfeit their birthright in the family through their sins. We see that Ephraim and Manasseh do take their place in the 12 tribes. They kind of form together as, a, as one of those 12 tribes of Israel. What he says comes to pass. This is pretty significant, what he is bestowing and pronouncing upon these two Uh, And they are young men. They're not little boys. They're young men. The gift of sonship is a huge, huge gift for at least two reasons. One reason is that Jacob, what he's doing here is he has now elevated the status of Ephraim and Manasseh within the family of God. They are not lesser than sons of Jacob. They are sons of Jacob. So says Jacob, right? They've been included in the family, and lo and behold, the family has been made greater. The family has been enlarged, just like God said he would do, right? And how did this happen? Through the grace of adoption, mediated through Jacob. Another reason this is really important is that Ephraim and Manasseh are Egyptian, Remember that? Both ethnically and culturally. He even says it. He really emphasizes, born to you in Egypt before I came to Egypt. They didn't come with me. What does that mean? They are Gentiles. 
So right at the very founding of Israel, there's Gentiles in this family of equal status. Isn't this crazy? They have an Egyptian mother. They've also been steeped in a godless education system and culture their entire life. And yet, because of this last-minute deathbed blessing, they are not only included in the family of God, but they are given full status and equal standing right at the very formation of this divine family, the family of God. What a transformative blessings. Blessings are powerful. They have effect. All of this means that they too have a legitimate share in God's blessings and in God's inheritance that he has distributed to them through Jacob, that mediator of the blessings. Though they were born uh, late in life, so to speak, by Jacob's reckoning, though they were born late in life, even at the last minute they're brought into this family as sons, they are given the honor of who? The firstborns. The firstborns. By grace of adoption, though they were born in Egypt and by an Egyptian mother, they share the same status as the Hebraic sons of Jacob. How? By the grace of adoption. Here's the good news, family. God has given us the blessing of adoption as well by his agent of grace, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the true and better Jacob that that gives these blessings. With his dying breath, Jacob makes Ephraim and Manasseh sons of Jacob, right? And yet with Jesus' dying breath on the cross, he makes you and I sons and daughters of God forever. Here's the good news. It doesn't matter if you've lived 80 years ignoring God and living like you don't need God you can become his child today. And not only become his child, but you can become his child with equal status as the apostles themselves. Even if you've been born again late in life, the last shall be first, right? Look at 2 Peter 1.1. Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. We skip these intros to these letters, but there's a lot in them. Apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who have obtained a faith of what? Equal standing with ours. How? By the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's how it's mediated. Listen, it does not matter if you were born to a Muslim parent or if you were raised to believe in reincarnation or it taught that science is the only thing that we can trust. Jesus can make you a child of God with equal standing of those who have followed him their whole life. 1 Peter 1 says this, You were ransomed from the feudal ways that you inherited from your forefathers. Not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish, without spot. This is the gospel, guys. Jesus knows that you and I were naturally born outside of the family of God, and therefore 
None of his blessings applied to us. And none of his promises were ours. He knows that. He also knows that he knows our birth order. He knows that we were all last born and born untimely. But by his dying word and his efficacious blessing, Jesus legally adopts us and gives us equal standing and honor with him. The firstborn of all creation, Colossians 1 says, right? The son of God. Son or daughter of God now. That's a big deal. The greatest, greatest blessing that God gives is family status by grace. But within that, he distributes additional blessings of family roles. God blesses us with family roles by grace. So let's look at the text here, verse 17 through 19. When Joseph saw, and there's just this cool little wordplay of who can see and who can't see and who really sees. When Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. And that's really strong in the Hebrew. It really upset him. It displeased him. And he took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's hand to Manasseh's hand. And Joseph said to his father, Not this way, my father. Since this one is the firstborn, put your right hand on his head. But his father refused. He said, I know, my son. I know. He also shall become a people. And he also shall be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. Jacob crosses his arms, you can visualize this, when he blesses Joseph's son. And the text clearly tells us that Jacob did this intentionally. He did it on purpose. He knew what he was doing, in other words. Uh, Though his eyes are blurry, though he can't see well, his vision is dim and dark, he is not making a mistake while he's doing. This is not an accident. This is intentional. It's on purpose by putting Ephraim before his older brother Manasseh. He even says the order, even when he speaks it, that's first. And Joseph objects. It strongly and even physically objects to what he sees his dad is doing. If you can imagine this playing out in this tent. No, this way. I want to point one thing out just so we get our categories straight here. Joseph does not object. If you notice in the text, he does not object to anything in Jacob's pronouncement. He doesn't object to anything that he says about says in his blessing. Okay? You'll notice, notice the inclusive nature of the blessing. What does it say? What does Jacob say? Bless the boys, plural, right? It's inclusive. They will be blessed, plural. Let them carry on my name. It's not that one boy received grace and another one did not receive grace. They both received a massive blessing. And Jacob clarifies that later on when he talks with Joseph. And so, in one sense, they have an equal blessing in substance. They have an equal blessing in substance. What they get, they get by grace alone. 
not merit. Okay? Joseph doesn't object to what he hears. He objects to what he sees his dad is doing. He objects to how Jacob distributes the blessing of sonship and fruitfulness. Not the blessing itself, but how that blessing is getting doled out to his sons that he loves. That's what, he, that's what bothers him. They're both sons of Jacob. They both will be exceedingly fruitful men, fruitful families, right? But Ephraim will be more fruitful. And because of that, Ephraim will have a unique, albeit temporary, role in the history of Israel. If you read later in the Bible, that's just, that's going to be his destiny. So this is a very efficacious blessing that's happening here. In other words, Joseph doesn't like how his father is passing out the blessings of grace. In fact, he thinks that his father is actually doing evil. He says displeased him. He's like, it's wrong. You're doing wrong, Dad. How you're distributing this blessing is wrong. In fact, so much so that he not only complains, but he tries to physically alter what his father is doing. Imagine that kind of reaction, right? And so we see here that this is, this is one time that Joseph's wisdom is not the wisdom of God, right? What we find is that God's grace is not concerned with being fair. God's grace is not concerned with being fair, family. Grace, by its very definition, is not fair. If it was fair, we'd call it justice. But it's grace. God will give his grace to whom he will give his grace. And he will give it in proportion that he desires to give that grace. You still like grace? This is not unfair because grace is not wages that have been earned, that have been merited, but rather it is a gift that God freely gives. It is a blessing. It's a blessing. Think about it this way. Think about a father on his deathbed and he, him giving one of his two sons, he's got two sons, and he gives one of his sons $5 million as an inheritance. And he gives the other son $10 million as an inheritance, double. One gets $5 million and the other guy gets $10 million. Now, which son would you say fell into poverty? Which one? Neither, right? Okay, how about this? Which son would you say was neglected by his father? Neither. They both received money, right? They both received a measure of wonderful grace. Even though it was not distributed evenly, it was distributed generously. Hebrews 11 gives us just a little bit more insight into the significance of what's actually taking place in this scene, in this tent. Hebrews 11, 21. It says, by faith, by faith, 
Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship, bowing in worship over the head of the staff. Now, where did, where did he bow in worship? Did you read that in Genesis? It's there. You just need the New Testament to help you see it. Jacob was worshiping God when he blessed Ephraim and Manasseh in the way that he blessed them because he did it by faith in God. Jacob was obeying the Lord in faith in this scene and is not obedience worship. It's the highest form of worship, right? Sacrifice I do not ask, just obedience and a contrite heart, right? Jacob was distributing the blessing of God among the family the way that God wanted, not the way that he wanted, not the way that Joseph wanted, not the way the sons wanted, the way God wanted. And God said, that's worshipful because you're trusting me. He did it by faith, Hebrews says. So get this, though his, this old man's eyes was dim, Jacob knew something that his son Joseph did not know which is why Jacob says twice, I know, my son, I know. And if you listen, there's a little Im implication there. I think the first time he says, I know, and he says, my son, which is tender, he's comforting his son. I know how you feel. I know how this looks. But I know. I know something you don't know. God does not distribute his gifts of grace evenly throughout his family. And like Joseph, sometimes we feel that that's just flat out wrong. I just don't like it. I just don't like the way you're doing that, God. Is that just me? You guys ever felt that way? Ephesians 4, 5 through 7 says, There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who, uh, of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. But grace was given to each one of us, what? According to the measure of Christ's gift. Christ is the giver of the gifts. He's the one that doles them out. Christ gives different gifts to his sons and daughters in his family. Some are gifted in leadership. Some are gifted in speaking, some in listening, some in relating to others, some in administrative tasks, some in organizational tasks. And even if you drill down like another level, even within the same gift, so people have, maybe have the same gift, Christ distributes different portions of that gift to folk, different folks as he sees fit. Some people that are gifted in leadership have enough of that gift to lead 10 people really well. And they shine on that in that environment. Some can lead 100 people really well according to the measure of grace that Christ chose to give, freely give, according to his infinite wisdom that we do not understand to accomplish his divine purpose that we do not see right now with our earthly eyes. There can be a tendency for Christians to cover, covet the measure of gifts that God has given to others when we look at that. We get into this compare game. It's not just for middle schoolers and teenagers. We never grow out of this. We look at other people and how God has made their bodies or made their minds or made their whatever. Those are all gifts of grace and we look and then we look at ourselves in the mirror. Amen? Come on, somebody. 
And when we do this, when we covet the way that God has given a portion of grace to someone else, this leads to dysfunction in us, in our families, in our church, in our society, you name it. Dysfunctional behavior. Guess what? We can actually start hating ourselves when we don't understand how grace works. And you start saying, hey, God, why did you equip me with only enough grace to lead a family of four? That's about all I can handle. You should have, get, you should have been able to let me lead thousands like that guy over there. We start thinking this way. You, you should have made me that way, Lord. Like Joseph, we say to our Heavenly Father, not this way, Father, not this way, Father. Grace me according to my wisdom. Grace me according to, to the way I've arranged this. You're doing this, and you're supposed to do this. See, I've set it up for you. But not only that, we are tempted to look with contempt upon the very people that God has given to the church as gifts to the church. Especially with technology, with internet access to church worship services, this is a modern temptation, both for congregation members and church leaders. We're all tempted in this way right now. Church leaders can start thinking this, God, why didn't you give me a congregation like that one? They're so easy to shepherd on the camera. <laughs> They don't ever call or talk back. I could, we could lead them. They don't seem to have any problems because the camera shows everything, of course. But congregation members, we can start thinking this way. Lord, why didn't you give us pastors and ministry leaders like he gave that church over there I like to stream? I love listening to that guy preach. Their children's ministry looks wonderful to be a part of. Their leaders make all the decisions I would make on controversial issues. That's a great church. Why don't you give me a church like that, with people like that? And so you see, it's easy for us to see people, to see even one another family as socket wrench sets on Christmas morning. And we can even go so far as to accuse the Lord of doing it wrong. You gave me the wrong gifts in the wrong place. Don't you know me and where I fit? I don't fit here. This is a tool, not a gift. He's a tool, not a gift. When we start thinking that way? Yeah. And yet the Lord, oh, the Lord who loves us, he lovingly looks at us and he says, I know. I know. I know how this might look to you. I know how this must feel to you right now. But you know what? I know what I am gifting to you. I know what I am gifting to you. I'm actually blessing you with the right gifts right now. Christ has distributed his gifts to each of his local churches the way he thinks is wisest for them. Yes, there's room for improvement. Yes and amen. And we should improve and we should develop. 
But let us not despise the Lord's wisdom. Let us not despise the Lord's gifts, even. Let's remember that God has given to us, given us to each other. He's given us to each other as gifts to serve His purpose, not to serve our comfort, but to serve His divine purpose. As crazy as it may look, this actual church with these actual people are God's gift to you right now. Right now, not later. He hasn't made a mistake. This is what you need at this time in your life. We must trust that as wise as we are, maybe, just maybe, Christ knows something that we do not know. Maybe he sees an angle we can't quite see. We must trust that Christ's eyesight is much clearer than ours and that he sees a purpose that we do not see. And it would be better for us is to confess, I just don't see it, so help me see that would be a, a, a better posture. Brothers and sisters, do not have contempt for his gifts of grace. See them as blessings by faith. Receive them as blessings by faith. Our heavenly Father longs to bless us. And he has. He has. May the Father give us eyes of faith to see. And we worship him. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, dear Jesus, we love you. It's a lot to take in. It's a lot to think about. I thank you. I just want to thank you today how generous you are to us. I want to thank you to how gently, gentle you are to us, how gentle you speak to us. how gently you lead us, for you are gentle and lowly in heart, you say. Lord God, where we need to change, where we are blind and we think we see, uh, help us. Help us see one another rightly. Um, take your words, bury them in our hearts so that they'll grow. Change us. In your great name we pray, amen.